once again, Season 2, and many more episodes of my time in the U.S. Navy as a Supply Corps officer. I've already mentioned a whole number of stories that were real stories about things that actually happened, and I'm going to continue with that. But I'm going to kind of backtrack to my very last active duty ship, which was the USS San Jose. Now, you remember me telling you that I had asked my mentor, Captain Bob Fennick, uh, if I should go to a uh, hard-charging supply ship like the Hoser, and he told me, absolutely not. He goes, why the hell would you want to do something stupid like that? Go where you uh, want to go and where you should go, and that's to the Navy Exchange in Siganella, Italy. So instead, as you know from my last uh, episode talking about the San Jose and Captain Munsinger, uh, it was a very bad place to go. You should always listen to your mentor. And I had alluded to some of these situations <clears throat> that had happened when I reported aboard. Lieutenant David Boyd, Lieutenant Greg Freeburn, Master Chief, uh, that I w went by Mac, all had alerted me once I got on board that I was in for a world of shit because the captain was gunning for me. He didn't like supply corps officers, he didn't like reserve officers, and he damn sure didn't like officers married to enlisted, or as he referred to them, enlisted pukes. He was a real kind of cocksucker himself. Anyway, um, before I had gotten on board, I found out from talking to other officers and to those officers aboard that Captain Munsinger had... Um, basically shit-canned the previous supply officer and railroaded him for things that he didn't do in order to cast the eye of suspicion instead of on him because he was the one that stole $250,000 and mishandled hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of government inventory, selling it off and giving it away to uh, various friends of his in Alongapo and Subic. Uh, he cast suspicion instead on the previous suppo, and the previous lieutenant in charge of cargo uh, had also assisted in that vein assisted the captain, rather, by falsifying some inventories. Uh, so Lieutenant Boyd and I had a lot of things cut out for us, a lot of work cut out for us to try to deal with all the stupid shit that Captain Munsinger had done, also under the tutelage of a dick by the name of Ackley. But we did a little payback there. But So as we went on time on board ship, uh, not only the destruction of government property, Captain Munsinger would drive a car drunk, run it into a bollard on the pier, and total a government vehicle. All a criminal offense, but... You know, the Navy always swept all that shit under the carpet, stealing government property. But it was running over a Korean fishing fleet at night while entering Pusan Harbor and causing the deaths to some really poor Korean fishermen that he tried to cover up. And also, he, along with the executive officer of the ship, which was a guy by the name of Ackley, and the ship's chaplain, and the ship's operations officer at the time, using their weapons to kill and destroy an entire pod of sperm whales, which are endangered species. And I had put up with an awful lot of shit in my time as a Navy officer, and I would sometimes look the other way, but I gotta tell you, as a scuba diver and as a humanist, when I was awoken on a Sunday morning at 
7.30 a.m., which is Sunday in, in the Indian Ocean, is typically a what's referred to as a knockoff works day, unless we were doing an unrep or something. Um, I heard this rat-a-tat, rat-a-tat-tat-tat, boom-boom-boom, tat-tat-tat, room, and it sounded like gunfire. Well, no shit. So as I came up out of the cargo hold number two to the main deck, it be- those gunfire sounds became even more distinct. Now, back in 1981, we and 82, we did not have anything other than the big fucking video recorders that used beta and they were huge so you couldn't stealthily walk around the ship carrying a beta machine and expect people not to notice you so we didn't have little tiny cameras we didn't have cell phones back then and i looked out into the distance off of the starboard side of the ship and i saw a gun spray like machine gun fire spray and spray from m16s and and as i had a small pair of binoculars i looked for closer and i said holy shit those are whales out there and the captain on the bridge is shooting at them what the fuck is the matter with this goddamn idiot so i sort of stormed out onto the main weather deck and looked up at the bridge the bridge wing and standing up on the bridge wing was lieutenant commander ackley the ship's xo captain Melvin Munsinger, the captain, the operations officer, and his name escapes me at the moment, and the Navy chaplain, who was a Methodist chaplain at the time. And I said to them in my own inimitable way, I said, what the fuck is the matter with you morons? And, that, and I was looking up, and they were looking down at me on the, on the um, main deck. And I said to the chaplain, are you fucking crazy? What the fuck? Why aren't you trying to stop that fucking idiot from shooting and killing those whales? There was a pod of about eight sperm whales, and they had a couple calves, you know, baby whales, calves, with them. And they had thrown an orange 55-gallon drum for target practice out on the water. And the bridge, the officer of the deck, had alerted, and the signal bridge had alerted the captain that there was a pod of whales that had been sighted on their radar. And he advised the captain not to do target practice until the whales passed. But the captain, in his own inimitable asshole way, said, fuck that shit, I'm going to just shoot anything that moves out there so and he did and he and the xo and the ops officer had obliterated oh and also lieutenant jones had obliterated this entire pod taking target practice with them i was so incensed and so were the people on the signal bridge and others but what could you do you're out in the middle of the goddamn io floating around there's no news media around there's nothing and i could not for the life of me i didn't have a camera hardly anybody on board did so i went up to the forward uh, locker where they had one and i asked if i could borrow their video camera even if it was huge and everybody would see me with it and they said well we're sorry mr nauer but the camera's already out on loan so i couldn't even get a camera to officiate a video of them killing the pod of sperm whales. So I went up to the signal bridge and I questioned uh, the first class up there and he said, you know, he goes, this is really sad. This asshole does this kind of shit all the time. And, and, and then I found out from more people, everybody on the ship had seen this happen. I wasn't the only one. I went in to see David Boyd and he said, yeah, we know it's going on, but what can you do? So anyway, 
as time went on, along with a, a host of other things, including WOG Day, W-O-G, WOG Day, in the Navy it is illegal to hold the old-style WOG Day, crossing the equator, becoming a shellback service. Because back in my day, it was very brutal. They whipped you, they beat you, they drug you over hot asphalt decking. Uh, they would pour rotten food onto you, into you. It was just a very demeaning and disgusting kind of behavior that went on in the U.S. Navy for those who crossed the equator to become a shellback. And um, and then as women came in the Navy, that's really what got it outlawed. But when I was in, in 1981, 82, and 83, aboard the USS San Jose, uh, to cross the equator did not allow any miss or maltreatment of officers or enlisted. But the captain, in his own inimitable way, decided he was going to do whatever he goddamn well pleased fuck the Navy, I'm going to have the old-style, brutal shellback initiation of all these little polywogs. And so for six weeks straight, they saved all their old garbage food from the mess decks, rotten onions, rotten eggs, uh, bug juice, and poured it into um, plastic-lined triwalls. And a triwall is a very large six-foot-by-six-foot-by-six-foot cubic box lined with plastic so it wouldn't leak and when you would walk within a couple hundred feet of this triwall and got a whiff of it it was like a dead body in there it really stunk to high heaven from all the rotting food and rotting eggs and that is what they would put inside of fake caskets that were also lined with plastic they would load those caskets up that were on rotisseries you would have to if you were a polywog initiated, you would have to allow the shellbacks to let you get into, lay down face first into this horrendous pukish slop that other people had puked in. And then they would rotate you around on a rotisserie until you were, your body was totally covered with this puke, thus causing you to upchuck and puke into it more. And, as you, and some people actually choked on the slop. It was so bad. It was horrendous. It was the worst to, experience I had ever experienced but I went through it I actually went through it twice because when I finished going through the first round initiation and they asked me to kiss King Neptune's belly smeared with uh, axle grease I said and the captain was watching from the bridge on his tv monitor the goings-on of the uh, shellback ceremony I pulled down my pants and mooned the captain, and I said, hey, captain, you can stick it up your ass as far as I'm concerned. And the captain from the bridge, Captain Munsinger, called down to the King Neptune and said, make Lieutenant Nauer go through the whole initiation all over again. So to my knowledge, I am the only naval officer in the history of the Navy that went through shellback initiation not once, but twice. And yeah, I did puke my guts up when I had to go through that shit, but they did a lot worse. And in the early part of the initiate, let me back up. A day before the shellback initiation began, a part, anybody who did not want to participate in it, because everybody knew it was going to be brutal, were supposed to tell the captain and the XO that they were not going to participate. Well, illegally, the captain and the XO ordered that anybody, whether it was officer or enlisted, that didn't want to go through the shellback initiation the following day would have to be locked into a cargo hold without food, water, or bathroom facilities 
for 24 hours. So my um, sailors, one of which was a guy by the name of SK1 White, he came to me and he was complaining because Mr. Howard, he goes, they're going to lock us in a goddamn cargo hold and padlock it. What about in case of a fire? We're not going to get any food, water, or have, we'll have to pee or shit in a, in, a, in a can for that whole period. That's fucking inhumane. And he goes, that's illegal. They can't do that to the Navy sailors. That's illegal. And I said, you're right. It's illegal. They can't do that. But they did it anyway. Uh, Commander Ackley and Captain Munsinger ordered that, rounded up everybody that was not going to participate in shellback initiation. I had decided no matter what, come hell or high water, I would. But I was astounded by the ultra-mistreatment and inhumanity that that commanding officer, Captain Munsinger, perpetrated upon approximately 30 to 40 uh, enlisted sailors and one chief that refused to go through shellback initiation. So now that I've cleared that up, uh, and I went to the XO and I told him, I said, what you're doing is wrong and it's against Navy regulations. In fact, I said, you know goddamn well the chief of Naval Operations has put out a special gram about that and said, it's a court-martial offense if you violate the CNO's order. And he said, we don't give a fuck what the goddamn CNO wants. We'll do whatever the fuck. And if you don't want to be in our Navy, get the fuck off the ship. So it's like, yeah, I'm going to get the fuck off the ship in the middle of the Indian Ocean. So anyway, I ended up going through the first round. But before I even got to the point where I had to crawl into the caskets full of the slop, the first thing they did at 7 a.m. in the morning was to round all of the polywogs up and uh, corral them in the uh, cargo bay uh, with our knees up to our chins. We had, like prisoners. And they had what was known as shillelaghs. And shillelaghs are uh, fire hoses that are cut off. Like I was so rudely interrupted by my dog scratching at the door. Shillelaghs are pieces of fire hose. They're canvas with rubber, and they used to put metal studs in them at the end, and they would put a handle on one end, and they would use it to beat you. And beat you, they did. They beat you raw. It caused your skin to bleed, um, huge welts on your skin and not everybody put studs metal studs in the end of the shillelaghs some of them just left the shillelaghs um, blank but no matter what when they hit you they basically hurt like shit and they would crack eggs over your head rotten eggs over your head and you were required to crawl on your hands and knees over hot non-skid that was about 140 to 180 degrees enough to cook your hands and by the time I had finished my first, you had to go around the entire ship on your hands and knees on the non-skid in the hot sun. And when you did that, basically all the skin came off your knees and uh, your hands and your palms. It was really a brutal, brutal activity for anybody to perpetrate in the Navy. And so with that, once we were finally corralled in the cargo bay by a couple Airedales from the Hilo Squadron, and I cannot remember the life of me, but anyway, this story that I'm telling you about Wog Day is actually in my novel called Murder on Steel Beach and also in Chaos on a Cargo Ship. So if you want to read it on Amazon, you can. Uh, it's also in uh, Audible format. So, so as we were corralled in the cargo bay, this one Airedale lieutenant from the Hilo Squadron decided that he would kind of taunt and mistreat some of the uh, prisoners, including me. And as he would slap some of the other 
enlisted in the face, which was also was a court-martial offense with the shillelagh, and hit him on the back. I looked at him, and I said to him the following, Hey, asshole, you even attempt to do that with me, and I will literally beat the living shit out of you. And that actually kind of pissed him off and made him angry and made him want to actually taunt me. So he, he marched over, sauntered over to me, whatever you want to call it, near me, and he started flicking his shillelagh at me like a whip. And he would whip it closer to my face, and I said, I've warned you. If it touches my face, if it hits me in any way, I am going to get up and I am going to beat the living shit out of you. And sure enough, right then, the end of the shillelagh hit the end of my nose, and it hurt. I jumped up, and within a it was like lightning. I don't think anybody's ever seen another officer jump off the deck from a sitting position, grab... I grabbed his shillelagh. I threw that Airedale officer down onto the non-skid deck. I pounced on top of him. I grabbed his ears with my knees on top of his chest. And as I held his head and his ears with my hand, I smashed his back of his cranium into the metal deck as hard as I possibly could. I, we actually heard a crack. His skull did crack. Uh, I then took my fist and I broke his nose. I hit him several times with my balled up fist on both sides of his cheeks. I believe I broke one of his eye sockets. Um, he was trying to get up and scramble away from me. I grabbed him by his belt and pulled him back down face first and his face hit the non-skid. I then jumped with my chuck-a-boots on top of that asshole and I dug as hard as I possibly could I dug the heels of my chucka boots into his rib cage and spine, and he was screaming the entire time. His blood was spewing out everywhere. Then I took his arm and I broke it. By that time, and this was all done in the expanse of about less than one minute, that I broke his nose, cracked his head. Uh, oh, and the other thing I did was then when he rolled over, I choked him so that he turned blue. I had about 25 to 30 officers, chiefs, and enlisted all trying desperately to pull me off of this asshole Airedale. When they finally got me off of him and people stood, he was basically almost lifeless. And I was realizing at that moment in time, wow, I may have killed that fucker. So by that time, the XO and the captain were coming down and Pretty much most of the wog day had stopped at that point, and they had to call the ship's doctor, which was a guy by the name of Dr. Pittis, I think. Anyway, the, the pilot was still alive. He was in very, very serious shape, and lucky for him, and notice I say lucky for him, not me. Lucky for him, we had the aircraft carrier close by. I think it was the Forrestal, and... They had to take the doctor, take him and, and a corpsman, and try to keep him alive as they flew a maximum distance of almost 40-some miles to get to that aircraft carrier so that that pilot could go into surgery to repair all of the damage that I had done. Now, from what I remember them telling me, 
and the captain, who said he was going to court-martial me for doing that and beating up, harming one of his pilots. Uh, he didn't, because I told the captain, I said, Munsinger, here's the deal. You can court-martial me all you want. I'm going to bring court-martial charges against you, against violating the CNO policy, against causing all of this shit against allowing other officers to beat up other officers. I was simply defending myself uh, because of your policies and your actions. So if anybody's going to go to Leavenworth and be court-martialed, it's you, Captain, not me. And when I said that with a real earnest, earnest look on my face, I said, you don't scare me at all. You're going to prison, not me. He said, well, I'll talk to you in my stateroom. And he walked away. I did not hear another fucking word after that one not one single word and all of the enlisted people both shellbacks and pollywogs that had seen me beat the living crap out of this airedale they were like in awe they had never seen any other officer or any other supply officer ever beat the living shit out of somebody so bad that he had to be wheeled off in a cart and flown off the ship immediately in a helo in order to save his life. That also is in my book, uh, and that is a true story. And it also got reported to the Secretary of the Navy when I blew the whistle, along with running over the Korean fishing fleet, along with killing the sperm whales. There were so many things that Captain Munsinger did and illegally allowed on his ship to occur. And from what I heard from other commands that he was at, he was just as bad and did a lot of crazy shit like that. But that is what kept Captain Munsinger from becoming an admiral uh, when I blew the whistle. So when I got to uh, the point of resigning my commission and getting out, that's when they decided they were going to go after my wife because they couldn't get at me. Admiral Muston had covered all of what Captain Munsinger had done. He had swept it all under the carpet when we was head of the Navy IG. And I had had a couple Navy captains from Navy IG in the Washington Navy Yard call and threatened me to not go public with my story or I would quote unquote never see my wife again. So at that, I involved Jack Anderson, the muckraking reporter, involved. And I also got another reporter from the Norfolk Ledger Star to listen to my story and also the TV station. Uh, by, then, by then I was back working in Norfolk as a contracting officer. And that is also when I went to see, uh, just before I broke the story as a whistleblower, is when I went to see Senator Proxmire. And Senator Proxmire is one of the finest individuals that has ever served in the Congress and in the Senate. Just a terrific human being. And he said to me, he said, when I went to see him and his chief of staff, Doug Waller, who's now a Times reporter, he's probably retired by now, but he was a Times reporter uh, later on in life. I spent many, many hours explaining exactly everything that had happened. They convened a congressional investigation, sent investigators all over the world at hundreds of thousands of dollars of expense to track down and take depositions of enlisted people and chiefs and officers that had been aboard the USS San Jose. And the one thing that Senator Proxmire told me about beating up the officer, about me reporting the whale incident, the fishing trawler incident, the stealing of government property, and it goes on and on and on. He said, Mr. Nauer, he said, if you are lying to me, I will fucking castrate you. But if you are telling the truth, if we find out through the investigation that you are truthful, 
He goes, I will go to the ends of the earth. And now you got to understand, Proxmire is an old farmer. Bill Proxmire did not curse a lot. But he said to me, even for a guy, an old farmer that did not curse a lot, he said, if you're telling the truth, he goes, I will fuck every last one of them and fuck the Navy for what they're doing to you and your wife. And he says, and I will protect you and your wife till the ends of the earth as long as I'm in the Senate. And you know what? Bill kept his word. He did do that. And he found out that uh, a number of officers, chiefs, and a number of significant number of enlisted all told their own stories about Captain Melvin uh, Munsinger and his criminal activities and illegal activities in violation of military and federal law. And uh, even... Though that all happened, and even though the congressional investigation proved it, and I've got a copy, the fact is simply this. It was all prior to Paula Coughlin. And who was she? She was the brave young lady, female lieutenant, helicopter pilot that broke the story about the tailhook affair. And if you don't know about Paula Coughlin and the tailhook affair, my incident was about four to five years before Paula Coughlin. Paula Coughlin coming forward as a whistleblower is truly what changed a lot of the mentality in the Navy, but the bad shit still happens. Bad COs still break the law, not as many. Uh, the old school mentality that used to exist still does exist, I am sad to say, but I did my part. I broke the story. I told the truth, and um, everything that I did was prior to the digital age. Right as Paula Coughlin came forward and broke her story about Tailhook, was just, just at the tip of when digital technology and computers and cameras and all that was really starting to take hold. I just often wonder if, if I had come into the Navy at a different point in time and seen all this happen and had... Uh, iPhones on me and everything, would would my proof have been different? I, I sincerely doubt it because to this date, we still have sexual harassment, uh, rape, sodomy, and all kinds of problems with men mistreating women in the Navy. We still have bad actors out there and bad actors as commanding officers, though not as many. The Navy is much better off today than it was in the 80s, especially a lot better off than it was in the 70s. And as a result, uh, I am still proud of what I did and the time that I served. And so with that, I will end this episode and say just one last thing. Ethics really does matter. Personal integrity really does matter. And if you are a person of no integrity and have no ethical background, you need to not join the Navy or the military because they don't need you. Have a nice day, folks.